Thank you for tuning in for the next episode of Pro Tri News. We had two members of the Everyman Jack Triathlon team, both Matt Barkus and Ben Fuquay, on both decorated age group athletes. If you're not interested in age group racing, then you can probably skip this next episode, but they did give a lot of insightful things as well as a couple predictions for this year's Ironman World Championship in St. George. So be sure to tune in and give us a like and subscribe. Be sure to follow them as well on social media. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pro Tri News. Uh, this week is a special episode that we're going to be calling Amateur Hour. Uh, I'm here in Las Vegas with the, not self-proclaimed, but uh, everyone likes to refer to you guys as the Cobra Kai of triathlon. <laughs> Why do you think people refer to the EMJ tri-team as the Cobra Kai of triathlon? Hmm. Um, I think, interesting, um, well, having been somebody who's watched the Karate Kid movie and the Cobra Kai show, I think it's probably similar to, from the outside, Cobra Kai looks like very intimidating and over the top and very uh, aggressive, and when you watch the show, you figure out that, oh, they're actually not that bad, and they may be kind of like more appealing and maybe more of a good guy side than you thought. So there is some similarities there. But I mean, it's an all guy triathlon team, so I kind of understand the, the joke there. I don't really have a comment because <laughs> I didn't know people called us that. Um, but I guess I like the reference because I like the movie. <laughs> I've, I personally have enjoyed my time here. I've always like been around you guys since about 2017 and really enjoyed getting to know you guys and things like that and getting to know more and more people. Um, it just feels like you guys are just a tight-knit group of type A guys that yeah. like to ride bikes and swim, bike, and run. So, um, Let's do a little bit of uh, get down to the nitty-gritty to you guys and then we can go into more pro racing and then some kind of controversy around amateur racing and things like that. So how many, do you guys have a number of how many EMJ guys have gone pro or at least qualified for an elite license? Oh man, I think on the team right now in 2022, we have uh, three or four guys that are gonna be racing pro this year. Um, And I think honestly amongst the team members, I would say probably a third of us have qualified for our elite racing license at some point, um, but most of us do not end up taking it. Yeah, I can I can think of three off the top of my head, um, and I don't know if a third's right or if it's more. I think a lot of guys, not that it's that hard to figure out whether they qualified or not, but I just think a lot of guys don't think about it. Yeah. Um, because it's just not part of their plan or what they enjoy about triathlon. But there's probably some guys that have qualified without even realizing it. That's good. What do you guys think of pro racing? you follow pro racing a lot? Yeah, I think some. I mean, I don't scour Twitter like a lot of people do, but I think, I think it's interesting. I think the personalities are getting better in triathlon. I think after the Chris McCormick era things got kind of boring for a while yeah and quiet but i think there's a new kind of crop of people coming up that um add to the drama and 
Um, I think a little bit of tension is good for the sport. Um, you don't want people being jerks, but um, I think seeing people like Sam Long, who kind of started out like just seemingly like a loudmouth type of guy, um, but man, I mean, the dude works really hard, and he's young, and obviously super talented but it's one thing when people talk a lot and don't do anything <laughs> but the guy like works Backs it up yeah he works his butt off and seemingly i mean just does the right things i really like how he's not obsessed with like i eating a kale salad for lunch and i mean the guy comes home and like eats a pizza which i think is awesome um goes to costco and buys boxes of muffins and right he's he seems like a normal person um but yeah i don't know i i think the pro side of the sport sometimes is a little boring to be honest i don't know what you think but well i will say for me i think maybe it's because i like doing 70.3 and ironman distance races that i'll follow that there's obviously a lot of other pro triathlon racing outside of just Iron Man, right? Um, but for me, it's it's not the style of racing I do, so I don't pay that much attention to it. Yeah. Um, plus, I feel like Iron Man racing, even though like the coverage isn't great, the tracking or like results, they're just easy to find. Yeah. Um, so I, I do I do enjoy it. Obviously, it's not necessarily super entertaining to live stream an Iron Man, but. Um, seeing the results and just kind of finding out who's winning or consistent. I don't know. I find that interesting. But to Ben's point of personalities, um, there's only a few right now. Yeah. Um, but it is exciting to see some of these ITU guys. It, it, for yeah. me, it's like they're coming out of nowhere because I don't follow ITU. But right. I'm sure to some, it's like, well, yeah, they knew this was, this was inevitable. Right. I, think, I think the Super League stuff is really cool. I know it's kind of... And they you know, do a good job of, like, televising it. Yeah, and, like, it's... The YouTube videos and things like that. It's like an F1 race. I mean, yeah. it's just, like, they're flying around on this, like, twisty, turny course. And you get to see them a ton. But, yeah, like, the Ironman coverage and 70.3 coverage, it's just not super compelling. I think I would rather watch a cool YouTube video than... Yeah, like a, a five-minute recap. Yeah, like, than an entire race coverage of you know, some 70.3 somewhere. Okay, so amateur racing, much like the pro racing has, ranking systems and things like that. So how do you guys feel with USAT ranking versus Ironman ranking? Is there a ranking system that you prefer or do you have, like, any well feelings one way? I do. I have two thoughts. So first, I think, while I understand why Ironman wants to have some sort of ranking system i i'm kind of in that camp of it's a rewards program or a rewards membership so to speak and obviously your points are assigned to your placing and time relative to the winner or whatever um but i don't think it's actually a, a reflection of performance um usat at least is based on performance and i i don't have a better solution so it's easy for me to say it's not perfect without offering any solution. Yeah. Um, and I don't even really know what the thresholds are, but at least it has a purpose. So if someone is interested in pro qualification, I know there's, you know, some scoring that matters for that. 
Um, outside of that, I don't see a big need for it. Um, so personally, I don't, I don't care. I don't look at it, but, but I can see why it has its place. Yeah. I think there's like, there's a group of people that get really stoked on like an Ironman ranking system, regardless of whether it's super accurate or not. Like, I think, like you said, like it's a rewards program. (laughs) I know for instance, like I did one race last year, one Ironman brand race and I won my age group and I was AWA bronze, I think. Which congratulations? Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? But I don't feel like I deserve to be in like a top ranking situation if I did one, one race, you know. I mean, and but then the, that brings up the other side of like it's like a participation thing. If you race more, the chances of you getting silver or gold go way, way up. So I prefer the USAT thing. I mean, I think it it also lets you see your rankings amongst like several distances. But at the same time, I feel like if someone's gold and then they get priority access to enter races, like that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you, mm. you're a loyal Ironman member and now you get first dibs at a race you want to sign up for. I can't fault them for that. No. Yeah. yeah. I think the best part of it, Ironman thing is the... the now you get the, access to St. George. It's like... Yeah, right? Like, but the priority... The yeah, the, <laughs> you get to skip the registration line and get the nice racking spot and transition. Yeah, like, sometimes, that to me, sometimes that's coming handy That for to sure. me is like the best. Yeah. Because you show up to like check in and there's 100 people in line and you're like, oh, I'm AWA bronze. And I get to <laughs> skip the line and get a sweet spot over here in transition with a bunch of space. So, yeah. I mean, I get... And appreciate the perks, but I don't think it's necessarily a great, accurate reflection of, like, who's really fast and competitive. Yeah, so the score is almost irrelevant, even though the perks are good. Yeah. But USAT, I feel like, is more a reflection of, like, is this person fast? Is Are they going to have a chance of winning their age group or winning the race? Whereas if you looked at the AWA gold, silver, and bronze people in race, they may not even be close to getting on the podium. So right. It's kind of rankings and quotations in my mark. <laughs> what about, um, obviously, Kona, Ironman World Championship is the same time every year in October. Right. What do you guys think about 70.3 Worlds? Is this really inconvenient for us amateur athletes to right. shell out all this money leading up to Kona, and if you qualify for both, which, what, probably, would you say 50% of the guys on your team, or, I mean, probably even 40% of the entire age group field right. has the opportunity to qualify for both? Yeah, I mean, I think it's stupid. For me, personally, I can't, that fall time of the year is just not, it doesn't work for me with traveling and getting a ton of time off work. And so having them bunched in that six to eight week period is just, it makes it completely non-relevant for me because it's, it's just not even an option. I know there's a lot of other people that feel that way too. I also don't understand why Ironman would put it that close because it's a lot of money in a short amount of time and it's also really hard to train well for races that are that close. Especially this year because it's two weeks after Kona. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just, it, it, it's a shame because you kind of have to just pick. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Um, so if I use 2017 as an example, that worked out for me because Chattanooga was driving distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, simple things like 
how does it work with taking time off of work? Um, you know, I'm, I'm technically signed up for both this year, and I'm really on the fence about St. George because that's an expensive weekend of racing that I can't really expect that I'll be at my best after Kona. Right. Um, and, and it's not that I necessarily have these, like, aspirations of just, like, placing or, or anything, but I want to just go and have a good race. Um, and it's just I have a hard time using time off work, being away from the family, spending the money um, to go do a race right after an Ironman. Yeah. So I, I haven't quite decided. So I, I think it's also different because it's in the U.S. this year. Right. You know, if we were talking about it being in New Zealand like it has been scheduled to be, um, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because it's just that unrealistic. It's like um, it's realistic for people to do logistically right now. And so right. I think people are considering it when it's on the other side of the world. I think that eliminates a lot of people from even thinking about yeah. it. If you could put 70.3 worlds in any month of the year, when, when would you put it? May. May or June. I would say August. Yeah. For me, because it's like, I think you can go race 70.3 worlds well. Do a block before Kona. Yeah, yeah. and maybe like tweak some things and do a block before Kona. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I think May is, or May or June even, is there's a huge chunk of, you know, North America that after June, it just gets really hot. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that's a part of racing, but... You know, the way Ironman does things, I think they want things to be as ideal as possible. And, you know, you don't want it to be 100 degrees every time you race. But I would love to see, like, May or June because it gives you, like, almost a half a year. And if you really wanted to do both, you'd have time to recoup that financial commitment. And, you know, it's I, I feel like it's a, le- it's a smaller ask of, like, your family to like hey let's travel again in two months to this really expensive race whereas you could do like a spring early summer trip and then a fall trip it seems more doable to me that's good what about ironman refund policy Mm. how much money have you guys had tied up oh my gosh for the last two years like a thousand dollars yeah i don't want to think about how much (laughs) Because I my seventy point three worlds slot was from twenty nineteen, so that one's been tied up for a while. Um, I feel like they've been very reasonable with giving options for deferrals, but also like the options for seventy point three worlds were really like big trips, and so that's why I was like, you know what, just. I'll just keep it to St. George, and if I can make it work, I can make it work simply from, like, a cost perspective. Um, but I would have gladly gotten my money back if I could. Are they t- if you decide not to do St. George, will you still get to keep that slot and roll it to the next not, year? Or no? no, not anymore. It's gone. No, there was a point where they said that, like, I forget what it was, but there was 2023 and 2024 options even. Right. Um, and they said if you, you can select St. George or you can do nothing – and then you'll automatically be put into St. George. I think I just forgot about it, and so yeah. I got put into St. George. But again, if, if there was a refund policy, that would have been great. And when I took my Kona slot last year, I remember there was like another waiver about not getting a refund mm-hmm. uh, and not getting a deferral. 
So I, I, I get it because it's a business that's trying to make money and there's things that are happening outside of their control. Uh, it's just kind of a, a lose-lose for everybody. Yeah. I think eventually, though, I, I wish they would have given people the opportunity to get some money back. Because when you qualify for a race in 2020 and it's it's starting to get moved to like three or four years later, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge difference. I mean, for me, three years ago, I was not married and didn't have a child. Yeah. And now I have a wife and a two, you know, a two-year-old. And life can change just exponentially in three or four years. And a lot of people are just losing that money. Yeah. And it's a shame because in many cases, these people, and not just people on our team, but just people in general have worked super hard to qualify for these races. Mm-hmm. And then they end up just losing out yeah. because Iron Man wants to keep that money in my mind at least and what you can get what 75 bucks back yeah <laughs> you can get 75 of the you know 600 bucks right or 75 of the like thousand bucks for kona or whatever it is even like the age group like the age group change from whenever you guys qualified for these races is yeah like completely different yeah yeah you could be competing in a totally different age group yeah is there is there any type of athlete board that the amateur levels can stand on like that you guys could make an athlete board have a couple thousand members join but then you could hold like annual meetings and they're recorded and posted out or people could run for treasurer president and all that stuff that at least you have like a voice or reason that you can meet with iron man suggest things debate things talk about things and all that i don't know i mean obviously something happened with kona and the wave starts i was rich (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like the voice was heard but yeah. but I don't know that there's like an established platform. Um, I think Facebook and Instagram. But they, yeah, but that really takes like, well, in this case, one individual to say, I'm going to collectively get some voices. Mm-hmm. And there was something similar. I mean, at least back home, I know about changing the date on uh, Ironman Wisconsin because they changed it to June. And then someone started a petition to bring it back to the original date and they listened but that was after some people made the decision to sign up in june because they were happy about june and then it got moved to september so it's i mean it's just like anything else not everyone's always going to be happy about it yeah Yeah. uh what about pro men racing that probably shouldn't be pro men racing racing in the back of the field and interfering in women's races is there do you you guys have opinions on what are you saying like elite amateurs racing into the women's field Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that it affects the female race, or is it, what? Do you have any solutions on that, or anything like that? You're saying like elite am- amateur elite. men getting up into the female pro race? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and pulling along athletes and all that. I don't know. Whenever, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had a female pro behind me, like hang on or pull her. But I also haven't been up with, like, Daniela Reef or anything. <laughs> I think my impact has only been catching female pros that probably shouldn't be racing in the pro field. But I don't know. I, I think the bigger impact is guys racing pro and messing up the women's pro field. 
the shit like the people falling off the back right the people falling off the back of the male pro race because they want to say they're a quote professional triathlete but then they're messing up these women and getting them you know messed up with their bike spacing and drafting penalties and all that stuff i think that's a bigger issue in my mind than the elite level amateurs getting up into the female race because i think what ends up happening in that case at least from what i've seen is they just end up passing those women but i think a bigger issue is the guys that for whatever reason want to race in the pro field and they shouldn't be messing up those women's race yeah it's tricky because you've got you've got some amateurs that just consistently win amateur races overall uh, and people say that they should be pro. But then you've also got some guys that will, for lack of a better term, just kind of get lucky, and then they take their pro license. Some of those guys end up being halfway decent pros because they, they sort of swim. step up to the plate. <laughs> they can swim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or right, or they can, they can swim. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. People can make their own decisions, but I just personally wouldn't, want to be a back of the pack pro and you know being out I, I if i was a back of the pack pro there would be plenty of females beating me out of the water it's just not the way i would want to race yeah and, and to give I would it feel like i was messing up their race and i just didn't belong in that pro field yeah and, and to give it a little bit of context too for people listening that on wonder why some of the back of the pack pros take their um elite license is Essentially, you can race all the races. You don't need to register for it because you pay the Ironman Pro membership costs, which is, I could be wrong on this, $1,000 or $1,500. And then they don't have to re-sign up for every race. So for them, if they just enjoy racing and competition, then they don't have to pay registration fees all across the country. And then they can decide a month out from a race if they want to do it or not versus just signing up for it a year in advance nearly before it sells out. So. But going back to that, so that's like Iron one, one Ironman and one seventy point three is technically like a pro license. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, unless if you're racing, just that much, like it's like might as well. But going back to like that AWA gold, maybe those people should have like a season pass option, a platinum or titanium. Yeah. Right. AWA. Tungsten. Yeah. <laughs> two two Ironman races, and you you've made money on the program. But what like Talbot and Kyle? I don't know if you know this, but like, how do you lose your pro license? Because in my mind, it seems like. If you, you submit, if you suck, you should like it should be taken away. Like if you're three years, it's so you automatically just have three years. Yeah, like you have to think once you quit. Maybe we should ask Clay MG. I mean, he's on the team and he said that he's not racing pro this year. Oh, that sucks. But I think it's because. But I think that he's gonna just chose that. Yeah, like he chose to not renew. He chose not to do that. I know, but can he just go back to racing amateur? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he didn't renew his yeah. license. If for you let 20, it expire, and I guess the, what my rationale is like: if you go race pro and you get beat by ten amateurs, mm-hmm. Ironman or USAT should be able to say, "Hey, man, it's not. The it's, same not it's not going to work out." Same <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost and, like bike racing. Yeah, like get, or like, like soccer. Like your team gets relegated because yeah. you suck mm-hmm. and. So there almost needs to be a relegation. Yeah, like program. you shouldn't be able to race pro if you're going 420 in a 70.3. And there are pros, and I think that's what's frustrating for a lot of guys on our team is that you end up passing these guys, and you know it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but, but it must feel good too. I guess. I mean, 
to pass a pro. I don't Building know. Cool. Did you guys hit on earlier? I was I went in here. Um, the basis of every man jack, and why does everyone uh, or a lot of people hate every man jack? <laughs> I didn't know there was hate. Jeez, oh yeah, man, there's tons of hate. Everyone's like, oh, there's every man jack guy. First off, if you could pass an every man jack guy, they all get yeah all sprung. Well, about it. that there that is, is a, there is a. And why why do you think amateur athletes out there don't like your team? You think I don't it's know. Just you know like, it was interesting. I was doing Waco seventy point three in the fall. And at like mile 25 on the bike, I was having a great race. And I just, I started throwing up like all over myself and knew that my race was over. It was my first DNF and I was, I was just soft pedaling back to transition to get the heck out of there. And this guy rode up on me who was high up in the race and he goes, you know that every man jack on your back puts a big bullseye on you, right? And I was like, wow, thanks man. Have a great race. And so, yeah, I think there are people out there that have that mentality, but I also feel like I kind of had that mentality before I was on the team because you aspire to be, um, if you're racing to be a fast male amateur, there's just a lot of fast male amateurs on the team. So I know that before I was on the team, I wanted to beat as many EMJ guys as I possibly could. I didn't have the mentality of like, screw you, EMJ, but yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess, I don't know, I guess I assume there's probably a bit of a target on my back when people see my kit. But that said, I've never, like, interacted with someone and had a negative interaction. Yeah, that's confusing mm-hmm. to Like, me. Post, post-race, um, if anything else, it's like people know someone that's on the team, and then, you know, they're like, oh, I know so-and-so, and then it's, like, easier to strike up a conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it happens, but I think that's pretty common that you see people, you know, on their Keyboard computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that have an opinion that they share online, but then in person, they either don't say anything or they're nice to your face. Yeah. I think the thing that's confusing to me is I've never known a guy on the team where I'm like, he probably sucks to talk to after a race. I mean, mm-hmm. all the guys here, I'm like, they're really nice people. Yeah. And in in some cases, they're some of my best friends. And I would. But like I to... also, when I see him on course, I'm like, ooh, I gotta chase my yeah, teammates. Yeah, down. exactly. <laughs> but I also like. I think if people feel animosity, I would encourage them like the next time they see an EMJ person at a race to go like introduce yourself and mm-hmm. see if they have a bad conversation because I think it is very superficial that people feel what they feel, but there's not a lot to back it up. They may just. They heard somebody who heard somebody who heard somebody say something, maybe? I don't yeah, know. yeah. Or tripped them into the dirt and rubbed their face in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a, they hate us because they hate us. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. What about, what are y'all's thoughts on um, drugs in the amateur racing scene? Is there a lot of dirty guys? And you fact a lot in Europe or more North America or whatever. Do you guys like think of any guys that are totally on drugs? As an amateur athlete? I don't know. That's it's really hard for me to say. I I would love to think there's not, because I'm not, but <laughs> yeah. um I don't know. I think I'm I'm almost scared to know what the percentage would be amongst the male amateur group in the United States. I, I would like to think it would be like lower than five percent, but 
everything I hear from people who are more, more educated on it than I am say way higher than that. Yeah. I'm, which is crazy because I don't – I wouldn't even know where to get something like that. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think but, I think one time Matt Dixon at Purple Patch stated that he – if he was to guess or believe – I can't remember. And I don't even remember where this article's at. I could probably stand corrected. That there's like – he thinks 30% – of the age group field are on some type of performance enhancing drug. Wow. But given granted, a majority of those people don't even know that they're on some type of performance enhancing drug, right. whether it's a growth hormone that their doctor gave them because they're in an older age right. or an some inhaler. an inhaler or something like that, that some they just product they take, that some they product that they take yeah. that they are just aren't educated on what the water protocols are that if they were to be tested, it would test positive. Not that those people are winning in the races or getting Kona slots, or I have no idea, but he guessed that he thought like 30% of hmm. that would be wild the amateur athletes are on some type of illegal banned drug, not because they, yeah. But it does seem like every year in Kona, you hear about kind of in the six months after Kona, like a few podium people yeah. Yeah. getting you know, popped for whatever, and then <laughs> them having to rearrange that order of people, which I know there's guys on our team that, you know, finished third in their age group in Kona, and then Ironman ends up sending them a second-place bull because <laughs> the dude wow. in front of them got, you know, popped for testosterone or whatever. And I guess that's, I mean, maybe I'm just naive, but I'm always surprised when I see that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. And to the to the Kona podium thing, what was it? male 40 to 44 yeah in 19 it was like oh really two, i think two, two of them yeah two of the top because one of the guys on our team was on the podium and he just i think he was fourth he just crept his yeah. way closer to the I think top he was fourth at the ceremony and then ended up like six months later being second and that wow. i mean obviously like he earned the i mean he the his race was not changed by it but like what a bummer to go home with a fourth Place yeah, I, feel, I feel real bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's now still he has awesome. Two bowls. Yeah. Now no, he has two but that's, bowls. that's well, depending on the timing, he might have three. <laughs> oh man! But you know, it's just like a bummer to not stand up there and and get second if that's what he really deserved. And yeah. I guess that's the tricky part: is that like everything seems to be way after the fact, mm-hmm. and so then the person doesn't get the the person that deserved it doesn't get the recognition. Yeah, it seems like to me that. I, this is just me, but I feel like the drafting stuff is more of an impact on the actual racing than maybe the like drugs. than like an accidental yeah. you know stimulant in your electrolyte powder that you don't even know about. Like I don't in my mind, I don't feel like that's going to impact the race as much as seeing four guys rolling up, you know, a wheel off of each other in a, 70, <laughs> in a seventy point three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that is the bigger issue. Um, so I don't know. It's it's frustrating. How, how often do EMJ guys get drafting penalties? I don't know. I've I've only gotten one in my life, and it was before I was on EMJ. But I will say this: I've noticed a lot more drafting marshals on motorcycles following me in races and like when you're like, wearing your emj yeah kit. like when i'm in my emj kit in races i definitely notice they're kind of near me a lot more even when i'm not around people on the course i feel mm-hmm. like they're sometimes they're just waiting but mm-hmm. um i feel like if you make a concerted effort to not draft it's 
pretty easy. Now there are exceptions. Like I've been to Kona and it's, it can be a disaster. Um, and I've, 70.3 worlds can be that way because you just have so many people that are so kind of within that one percent of fitness mm-hmm. and it just makes it really hard to space out but in the typical 70.3 i feel like it's pretty easy to not draft yeah personal experience it's really easy for me to not draft because i don't really come out of the water and <laughs> near anybody <laughs> so i've i've never had a penalty which is good um but I think there's just, especially in world championship races, so many guys come out of the water at the same time that I don't even know if all of it's deliberate drafting, but it's it's real and it works as far as riding faster. Yeah, the results. Yeah. Well, what about this? A lot of amateur athletes, probably life goals to race in Kona, and a lot of them say they don't have that much time to train or like, how the hell are these guys in the 35 to 40 year old age group, 40 to 45, which is pretty much a lot of EMJ guys that are all going to Kona. How many hours a week do you guys train oh, going man. into going into a big race to get, to get your Kona slot? Well, I'm not really chasing the Kona thing anymore, but when I was, I was training like, I think the most I ever did was like 18 hours in a week. But honestly, I think, the norm would would have been like 15 16 hours a week but there's people that do a lot more than that um and i i know that but i feel like you can you can get to kona with a lot less volume and more quality but it's hard to fake the long rides i mean there are some long (laughs) hours that you have to put in but I think having a good coach is important and having good people to train with is important. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like maybe 16 hours a week. What about you, Matt? But that was for fulls. I think for 70.3, you can get away with less. Yeah, yeah. Most recently, I was actually looking at my training not that long ago. I got lucky this last year, in my opinion. I was like 12. I think I peaked at 15 hours. Um and then I had a really good race in Chattanooga. So I feel like I feel like I defied training. Even though I did all the workouts, it was like I went in thinking, I, I'm not sure if I'm fit enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being in this sport for a while now, I think consistency yeah. is a lot more important than what your peak hours are. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know what the saying is, but what, what you do in the fall or – winter is what your race results are the next year Mm. you know so whatever months of 12 hours is better than a couple blocks at 20 hours right in my opinion yeah i think people Mm. like wanting to get to 70.3 worlds or kona if they've never had that consistency it's going to be really hard yeah but i think if you if you put in the time over a long period you can make those little adjustments that make a huge difference um but I think, like you said, I think consistency as an age grouper is the biggest thing, but also focusing on the not training stuff, the sleep and the eating well and eating enough and, you know, recovery and all that stuff is just as important in my opinion. Yeah. Just balancing all of it. Right. It just gets you into, gets you into the race healthy and like a better headspace than whether or not you nail however many long workouts right. or whatever it is it's always better to show up under trained and a hundred percent healthy <laughs> than over trained 
and beaten you know, up, beaten up, injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I feel like having your body in a in a good physical and mental space is huge. Not just saying you rode six hours ten times. <laughs> What about, let's get back to the pro try news uh, portion. What are your guys' thoughts on Ironman World Championship this year? I think it's interesting that it's in St. George. I mean, I feel like St. George is becoming like the hot spot of Ironman. <laughs> like they love St. George. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a Kona purist, but like I do like that it's there. Yeah. But I'm also excited that it's different. So it's like, it being a one-off, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do so you I, think they should leave it Kona? Absolutely. Yeah. I do. I think the full Ironman should be left in Kona every year. I like how they move the 70.3 around, especially to give different geographical areas an advantage and convenience. But I think Kona, it's just, it's just different. It really is. In my opinion, it's it's not St. George and it's not <laughs> Frankfurt and it's not these places. Kona is magical and special, and I I it's one of those experiences that I want everybody to have at least once. You didn't feel that way about St. George when you did it? No, <laughs> I mean St. George is so cool and so beautiful, and the course is so challenging. But it, Kona is just different, man. It's it's just a cool thing. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's special. And I think the pros feel that way, not just the amateurs. I think the pros feel that way about Kona. It's like, you know, if the Super Bowl was in the same stadium every year, I think it would be special. It would be like, you can't. And it wasn't used for anything but that. Exactly. Race. Like, if, if it was just or used for the Super game. Bowl, it would be like <laughs> this amazing, like, you get into the stadium and you feel like this is electric and that's yeah. how Kona is. It's like, it's only used for that. Right. And St. George isn't, but it's still cool that they're doing it. I mean, it's almost like how when Chattanooga, the 70.3 worlds, like they changed the course Yeah. and it was cool. And it was like, I appreciated it. It was different. Um, cause I had done the regular half the year before, but it felt like a different race, but it didn't feel like, it's not comparable to Kona. Yeah. I like that they're making the course in St. George like the old full that they used to do. Right. It's brutal. And that was the course I did a long time ago. And, and it, that was harder than Kona. Oh, yeah. Like the course, like the, the features course. of the course. Oh, yeah. Kona is kind of a boring course, but the features in St. George are amazing. Yeah. Very cool. The interesting thing on the, the run course in St. George and I just mentioned this to you a second ago. On the elevation chart, it said total gain was 900-something meters. And then now it's updated. It says the total elevation gain is 400 meters huh. for the run course. Hmm. But it's the same map, so I'm wondering if that was just a mistake or what it was. But I mean, that's Or maybe the, they just forgot to times it by two. I don't know if it's a two-lap thing like it used to be. I mean, well... It showed the two laps. It said total for the whole course was 931 meters, 922 or whatever it was. Right. But now it's only 400. Huh. Which well, is I weird because I thought yeah. it was going to be like a gnar. I mean, it still is a pretty tough run course, but 400. It's still a lot. Is n- 400 is not as much as 900 over a marathon after a massive, insane bike course. Yeah. yeah. That bike course is, that full is 
awesome. Yeah. You guys want to make predictions? Oh, yeah. For World Championship? Yeah, but you're going to have to help me with who's in the race, <laughs> which is not... Talbot, you want to roll, rattle some off? Uh... How about you give me some yeah. favorites and we... Christian, we... favorites are probably Alistair Brownlee, Christian Blumenfeld, uh, Gustav Eden, Jan Ferdino. Is Jan racing? Is yeah. He healthy? Yeah. He said he's going to race. Uh, Brad Culp just clarified with him. Brad Culp kept saying he wasn't going to race and then he clarified with him and Jan said uh, two days ago that 100% he's coming to St. George. It's in the best shape of his life. That's what they always say. Yeah, true. But how can he bet against the guy? Uh, Jan Van Berkel. I'm about to. <laughs> Florian Arngard. Uh, Tim. Uh, Do you see Javier? Javier Gomez. I don't. I don't think Javier will be a factor on this course. What about a uh, Gustav? Um, no. What about the the runner guy? Tall runner guy. He had the yellow kit. Daniel Backgard. Uh, is he racing? Yep. Yeah. Backgard's racing. Lionel Sanders is racing. Who's that? Joe Skipper. Can't <laughs> <laughs> work. not racing, though. I'm, re- uh, I'm ready. Patrick Lang will be interesting. I don't know if he's going to be a scratch or not. But, he, broke uh, his, he broke his shoulder. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Tell us who you got. I'm going to say... Oh, man. I don't know Sam which... Sam Long. We forgot to say Sam Long. I'm I think he's a factor in the uh, yeah. race, but I don't think he's a podium contender. That course is too much for that dude. He's just young. I, I think there's going to be two Norwegians in the top three. Same. I think ugh, I think Gustav Eden's going to win. I think Daniel Backegaard's going to get second, and I think Blumenfeld's going to get third. I'm going to go... And not even putting Jan up there. Gustav. No, I think Jan's going to Blum- pull out. Blumenfeld and then Jan. Gustav, Blumenfeld, Jan? That's what I think. And I'm going to say Lionel in fourth. And I and I think it's all going to come down to the run. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I'm... Yeah, that's where Sam Long cannot hang with those guys. Sorry, but... Yeah. And that, I think we're going to see some pretty amazing splits. I think, I think Gustav Eden is going to run like he did in Florida. Just, yeah. But he's actually going to be pushed. But he's end. actually, yeah, he's gonna, he's not going to be running with Lionel Sanders. He's going to be running against Blumenfeld, and they are going to fly. And, and back of guards fast, too. Although, I don't know how much faster, especially on that course, you can, how much faster you can run than 234. Yeah, but it's a world championship, though. Yeah. Those guys are so probably not running faster, but more aggressive for them. I think well, this yeah, this there's split, no way though. The split may not be, be faster, faster, but like at they some, will be gapping people. Oh faster. Yes. Yeah. I think after the first lap, that second lap, they are not going to slow down, and there's yeah. going to be guys after that first lap that like get are shelled. pretenders and they are hanging on, and they go back up diagonal street and they're going to be like dying. Well, and I forgot what Gustav said, but like the last part of Florida, he he didn't have to push. The yeah, way. I think he was jogging. Yeah, I think Gustav's going to win by, like, two minutes. What about an American? Who do you think top American's going to be? I'd give Sam Long. Ben, yeah. ben Hoffman? No. Sam Long? When does Lionel count Matt as, Hansen? An, as an American? <laughs> I think once Lionel gets his uh, citizenship. Okay. Is he going to do that? He got his green card already. Did he really? Yeah. yeah he Is he thinking about getting his citizenship? I think so. No, I don't know. Probably be dual citizenship if he ever did. I think Sam Long will be the top. I don't think... I know Hoffman loves St. George, but Sam Long's... Yeah, I'll, I'll have to say Sam Long because I think he's got the the best chance of coming off the bike. 
in a position. If he's to... if he's down less than three minutes after the swim. I mean, I think he'll come off the bike in a good spot and go for it on the run. I just don't think he's going to Three, three minutes would be a great yeah, that would be deficit huge. for him. Yeah. But he was down. What was he down? Two and a, <laughs> two and a bit. Two and a bit at, uh, for Daytona. an Olympic distance, essentially. For but he's been working on his swim. I mean, yeah, definitely. But he's going to have to go so hard on that, run, on that bike course. Well, he will. Yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, I don't think he's going to have the legs on the yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. What about it. women's race? Oh, man. Um, Isn't Sky there this week? Lucy, Skies, there. Um, Daniela. Daniela. Cat Matthews. Cat Matthews, who just won 70.3. And beat Hug. Beat Annihilated her. And Jess Learmouth. This one's one's tough. This one's one's way harder. Lisa Norton. I mean, she could do something on the bike. Daniela. But but she doesn't know the word. Hasn't come together yet. Imogen Simmons. I don't know yet, but I think that Cat Matthew and Laura Phillip will both be on the podium. Yeah, I think Laura Phillip right now looks is looking really scary. Solid. I think uh, I think Daniela in third. Same. And I think Matthew is it Matthew or Matthews? Matthews. 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 Katrina yeah. Matthews mm-hmm. in second. And wait, I'm gonna do Sky for a second. Nice. And she she had a really great race in Chattanooga. And Sky knows that course so well. Yeah, I just I feel like she'll surprise some people. And I think Laura Phillips gonna win by like five minutes. Same. Wow. I think she's gonna blow people out of the water. She's just been like consistently getting better every year. Yeah, that's the truth. And she's gonna peak and crush people. That's the truth. It'll be interesting. What's your pick? Your pl- early, I know you're, you're going to do been, a pick show, but... Yeah, I'm going to do a pick show. Okay. I've been playing my cards a little close to the chess on this one because it's like, it's really hard to tell. Who do you think is not going to win that's a favorite? You can give us that. Lucy, Charles. Yeah, I don't think so either. Especially because the rumor's floating around, but... There's a rumor, yeah, she's quiet or yeah. whatever on social. Yeah. The, um... I, I just want to wait and see who all like is in more fitness. Like how, it's gonna be how Oceanside shakes out, how right. I mean Oceanside's a big factor and then I think there's one more race. Joe Skipper doing Ironman South Africa will it, it'll <clears throat> definitely play a factor, I think. Oh, I think Joe will easily win South Africa. Well yeah, but like how much fitness he takes into Saint George and like, what's the time difference? Like how much after that? It's like a month. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's plenty of time. So, especially when you're doing as much volume as him right now. Yeah, I just... When you're only racing for seven and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll phase him. So, I just don't think he has the bike and run that those Norwegian guys have. Those guys are crazy. I do think he's a factor in the race. Uh, Maybe another year. Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how fit Allie Brownlee is as well after 70.3 Oceanside. Yeah. I just have no... I, I don't have any faith. In I haven't guy. seen him do a good Ironman. Yeah, ever. He just West, seems... Western he just Australia. Seems, he just seems really... 2019. He just seems... Well, maybe I just forgot then. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems fragile on the run. Like, he's like... Well, he, he runs on his toes, too. Yeah, right? So it's like... I don't know. He seems That's just to race emotionally. Yeah. And I think he's going to be in a bad place early on that run. Yeah. I just... With some good runners. Would agree. All right. 
Well, that's the show for this week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on social media. Um, but thanks to the EMJ team for hosting me all week. And obviously, we're getting a little rowdy and getting ready for a pool party. See ya. Bye.